on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 6th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we chat with the coach of the Box Hill Hawks BFL women's team, Patrick Hill. We talk with the coach of the Maroochydore Roos women's team, Stuart Jackson. We make a call to the UK to chat with Mariana Graham, the coach of the South East London Giants. And we preview round six of the AFL women's competition with girlsplayfooty.com co-founder, Matt Master. All of that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the sixth edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season on the year. Thanks for your company. And of course, reminder that this podcast is available for free via iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. And also you can listen to this podcast as a program on the radio Wednesday evenings, approximately 6.15pm in Melbourne. That's if you've got a digital radio, you just tune it to RSN Carnival. Time for the first of our interviews. We're focusing on the VFL Women's Competition for 2017. It's the second year of the league. Last year there were 10 teams. There's 10 teams again, but a couple of changes. The North Geelong Magpies and Knox Falcons have both dropped back to community football, replaced by Geelong entering a VFL Women's team and Hawthorne under the banner of Box Hill, the Box Hill Hawks, entering a team into the VFL Women's Competition. And I've got on the line the coach of the Box Hill Hawks VFL Women's team in Patrick Hill. Patrick, thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. We're counting down the weeks to your first practice match and then, of course, on May 6th, your first game against Geelong at Simmons Stadium. Um, how's the feeling at the moment? Are you uh, nervous for this first opportunity to coach a women's team? Uh, no, I don't think there's any nerves quite yet. Um, you know, in the cuts, cut and thrust of uh, pre-season, it's, uh, your focus is really on just sort of trying to improve the list and, and get better each week and... Generally what happens is before you know it, uh, the first game rolls around and uh, you think where, where's all the time gone. But uh, at the moment, yeah, still really focused on, on, on where we're at as a team and, and just trying to improve. For you, it's a bit of a homecoming. You were an assistant coach there at Box Hill before going to Frankston. Uh, Frankston recess at the moment, so that's obviously freed you up. How does it feel to be back at Box Hill City Oval? Oh, look, it's been great, man. Um, anytime you, you uh, have any involvement with a professional organisation, um, such as Box Hill and Hawthorne, it's, uh, uh, it's really good. And, um, you know, they treat people right and uh, spend, a, spend a lot of time investing in you personally and developing you. Um, so, look, it's been great. I've had plenty of support. And, and you know, of course, coming back to a club where I, I know the main players there and, you know, all the, the, the board and, um, and certainly from the men's side of it, the, the, the football manager and, and just even all the players around the club, it makes the, the transition back very easy. So, uh, look, I've really enjoyed my time being back. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a shame what happened with Frankson and, and I miss the people from there very much. But uh, that's the way footy goes and life goes. So we get on with the job and uh, enjoying the new environment. Uh, for you personally, how much did you know about the women's game before taking on this role? And I guess how much have you had to cram and learn in the meantime? Uh, I've had to cram and learn a lot. Um, uh, my knowledge of the game uh, probably extended as far as watching some of the games we had to see for play before us. Uh, a couple of times last year, I think Whitehorse Colts, maybe when I was last at Fox Hill, uh, played a couple of games. So um, I, I got to see a little bit of what I did know was that... Um, they go in extremely hard, and I think most of the people watching AFL Women's for the first time this year have commented on how hard they got the ball, but I certainly knew that watching the games last year. So um, it's certainly been a, a learning experience, but that, that's what coaching 
years and it's uh, you know, getting to know your players and understanding what their strengths are, what their limitations are and, and how you can uh, develop those, uh, those strengths and limitations. And how did the role come about? When did you get the tap on the shoulder if you'd be interested in this gig? Uh, look, I've received a phone call uh, around about early November, uh, late October, early November. Um, as you said, I was uh, on the hunt for a job. Um, and, yeah, look, I got the call from, from uh, Box Hill and um, asking if I'd be interested. And, and uh, yeah, something I sort of, yeah, jumped, jumped at the chance and, um, you know, spoke to a few people of what they thought of women's footy and where it was going and, um you know, I've got a I've got a daughter and a wife, and I've got four sisters. So, um, if there's something I can do to to help that that, that uh, career progression and pathway uh, to, to professional sport, then I was uh, I was certainly all open ears, and it didn't take me too long to decide to take on the role. The Hawks, of course, had an open day uh, around mid to late November out at Waverley Park to obviously see who would they get on the Box Hill list for the uh, inaugural season. Can you tell us a bit about that opening day? And I heard reports that there was something like 100-plus players there. Yeah, I think we had 140 registered. Uh, I think about 120 turned up on the day. But we also had about 20 to 25 that couldn't make the day that um, still wrote to us anyway. And um, we were able to, because of their background, we were able to put some of those uh, into our training squad. Um, it was a fantastic day and um, yeah, you only had to get there and see the, the, the real joy on the, the young ladies' faces and um, putting them in a professional environment. Um, something some of them had never been able to do before, uh, just through lack of uh, pathway in either their chosen sport or, or being involved at local clubs and, and put them out of Waverley with a professional chest testing of the, the rookie meet people, which uh, ran the day and did a fantastic job. Um, there was a lot of positive energy there and you know, there were a lot of a lot of parents came along along to look, and um, you know, Joe went and spent some time just walking around talking to some of the parents, and they are absolutely excited to see their, their daughters uh, um, in such an environment. And what was the uh, list eventually cut down to, and how difficult was it to get those numbers down to the required number? Yeah, look, that's still ongoing at the moment. It's been extremely difficult. I think we made our initial cut at about seven up. Land. I only probably have a training squad of 50, uh, but there was a fair bit of talent there, and uh, we ended up having 70 on the track to start with. That's whittled away now to about 45. Um, we, we need to get down to 40, um, so we're still in the process of that now. We had, we had a good good hit out the other night, uh, a bit of a practice match between ourselves, and um, I thought it would make some decisions clearer, but it's actually having eight things harder, which is... Uh, it's a good spot to be in, but um, it doesn't make it any easier uh, when you're going to tell some girls they won't be with our squad. But um, that's an ongoing process that will continue for the next uh, two or three weeks. And what's the makeup looking like at the moment? Balance between those that have taken up Aussie rules for the first time and those that have had a fair bit of experience. Look, I think it'd probably be about eighty percent have, have played some form of football before. Um, we, we do have a few girls that have crossed over from other sports. We've got you know, some netballers and uh, some from a basketball background and a couple from athletics. Um, but the majority have played before, and we're talking mainly for probably the majority would have played for either Knox, Q or Whitehorse. Um, we really want to invest in our local area um, and, and bring those girls through. And I think it's... It's sort of incumbent on all, all the clubs in the competition. If the AFL women's going to succeed, we, we need 
also find the next uh, a lot of superstars to come into that competition. So um, we, we've concentrated a lot on our local area, um, and then and then some other girls from a few other clubs who just wanted some opportunity have tried out. Um, they, they remain on our list at the moment, but yeah, I'd say predominantly eighty percent have played fully before. And you did mention um, Knox. Have you reached out to them to obviously ask for a couple of their better players to come to you? Because it was a licence swap scenario where Knox were in the league, but they've decided to go back to community yeah. level, and that allowed Box Hill to come in. Yeah, well, they certainly reached out to Knox very early on. And, um, well, they, they were great, Knox. Uh, obviously, um, they were disappointed not to have their licence. But like, like any good club, they, all they wanted was the best of their players. And, um, you know, they invited me down. And I, I went down to training and, and spoke to the girls down there and um, got some assistance from their, their current coach, uh, Clinton. Um, yeah, we've, we've got quite a few girls from there training with us. Um yeah, well, it's not a good situation, and as I explained to them, I've been at Franks and we lost our license, I had some empathy for the situation they're in, but, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a strong club and a strong community-based club, and they'll, they'll continue to do what they, they want to do at community level, um, and unfortunately, it's just not in the BFL anymore. You do mention about a list of 40. Um, obviously, there can only be 22 that can run out each week. Has there been an arrangement put in place that, obviously, for players that are fit but don't get selected, they get to go back to another club, for example, and, and still get to play on the weekend? Yeah, that's, that's my understanding. It'll run very similar to the VFL uh, uh, men's. And, and if you don't play with us, you'll go back to your home club. So all the girls understand that, and they'll, they'll all be looking for either looking for home clubs or, or some of them already have them and they'll go back and play with their local clubs which you know in turn will hopefully make the, the local competitions better even still and as you start to develop the game plan for the players that you've got do you think you have a distinct advantage with that home ground box hill city oval which is quite a large ground in comparison to some of the other women's grounds like for example uh Darabin's home venue of uh, ah cap reserve which is uh, almost a postage stamp it's a very tiny ground and you've got like long and skinny grounds such as plenty park where diamond creek play at so do you see box hill being a significant home ground advantage well, it will be a home ground advantage if we can run. Um, if, if we can't run and move the footy, then it, you know, it will work against us. But, but we've certainly taken that into consideration with our game plan, how we how we want to play and how we want to look. Um, you know, the, the key to, to any team, though, is being able to play in any any type of conditions, anywhere, anytime. And um, we certainly will have our game plans to play at, at Box Hill, but we, we need to be mindful, too, that not all the grounds are like that. Um, and we need to be uh, thinking about what it's going to look like at, you know, a Darabin or a Seaford, uh, where we don't have the same amount of space to, to work with. Of course, your season starts on May 6th when you take on uh, fellow debutants, the Geelong Cats, at uh, Skilled Stadium. Uh, between then and now, have you had much practice matches scheduled in to be able to get a hit out against some of the current VFL women's talent? Yeah, look, as it stands at the moment, we only have uh, one practice match um, confirmed, and that's uh, on April the 1st. So uh, we'll be playing against Cranbourne on that day. But, um, yeah, look, we're certainly looking to put some others in place. We want to have three or four hit-outs uh, before the season proper. Um, it's important um, that we get a chance to, to play against other people. And, you know, our scratch matches we're sort of holding at the moment are OK. Um, but you, you sort of both sides know what each other's doing. So we really want to put that into practice against some other sides. Um, so we're looking forward to those. But also just uh, to, to enable the girls to get themselves up or down the pecking order um, and, and prove themselves 
round one, which will be a, you know, it's an historic occasion for our club to, to, to enter the women's uh, scope and, the, and uh, field three teams. So we're really looking forward to it. And to do that down at, uh, at Sydney Stadium, which is an incredible facility. And every time I go down there, it gets better and better. And from everything from the playing surface to the coaches' boxes to the dressing rooms, it's just first rate. So I think the girls will be excited and they'll be looking forward to the practice matches to, to prove their worth for that spot in round one. And of course, you've been doing a fair bit of training out of Waverley Park as well. Has there been much comment from the girls that have crossed over from the other clubs about the facilities and about what they're able to use and the attention that they get, which they wouldn't get at a smaller suburban club? Um, yeah, look, I know they're, they're really enjoying it. And, you know, well, I've got three coaches, uh, assistant coaches on the staff at the moment, and we're able to get a plenty of one on one time with them. And so I think they're really appreciating that. Um, uh, not, not too many people like to sort of put down where they came from, and I understand that. So I, I wouldn't say that you know, they've gone out of the way to, to comment on how much better it is, but um, obviously they're really enjoying the facilities and they've got everything at their disposal there. And that's you know, that's what we want to do. We want to create an elite environment for them. Um, so if they do have dreams to go on to AFL, then hopefully you know, we become a destination club for those sort of girls. And, of course, with the AFLW on at the moment and uh, obviously with every game being shown live so the, the girls get to watch it all, has there been much comment or feedback from the girls when they go to training, seeing things, observing things that are being done at national level that they want to try and incorporate into state level? Yeah, look, I, I remember after the first game and I went out to watch Collingwood versus Carlton and I, I really enjoyed the night. And that next night at training, the smiles on the girls' faces, understanding that this is now real and it's now a possibility for them. Um, yeah, that was that was gold. And um, I went to one of the other games, I think it was Carlton, Melbourne, and sat in that, sat in that area with the girls and, and we, we spoke about how our game plan is similar to what was going on there or how, how it differed. And, um, but I think they're really enjoying, um, you know, not... Uh, sort of having a, a game plan that um, they can see on TV and they can watch and you know, even watch at AFL level and understand what's going on there. So plenty of positive comments about that. Um, it's been hard work. Uh, it's a lot of learning for them to do, um, but I think they're relishing the challenge. Patrick, thank you very much for your time and we wish you all the very best when you take on the Geelong Cats for the first game for Premiership Points of the VFL Women's Competition on Saturday, May 6th at Simmons Stadium. Time to continue our focus on State League football, but we're going to head up north to the Queensland Women's Australian Football League, the QWAFL. That's the top-tier league up there in the Northern State. And I've got on the line the coach of the Maroochydore Roos, Stuart Jackson. Now, Maroochydore were in the QWAFA last year, their debut year, and they clean-swept the competition. They won every game and have now been promoted to be one of the seven teams in the QWAFL. Stuart, thank you very much for your time. Um, first of all, let's take a step back. Tell us how the senior women's team at the Maroochydore Roos uh, all started. Um, I guess it was, um, it was a little bit of a groundswell up here with, with women's footy, but the girls' footy been going for a few years. And I'd coached the Maroochydore under-18 girls for the two years prior. And a lot of those girls were ageing out, so they needed somewhere to go. So a bit of a conversation between the senior club and myself, and we decided to give it a go. And you did so, particularly in the 2016 season when you uh, debuted in the QWAFA. Could you have imagined the season to go any more perfectly? Yeah, mate, it was surprising. Along the way, we we set the girls' challenges every week, and and they just ate them up. They responded really well every week. So a um, a little bit of feeling started growing. Two two thirds of the way through the season, they thought they could take it out, 
Um, I guess we were just lucky. We had a lot of talent in the team. We had a lot of girls that had played state under 18s footy. Um, and I guess we probably wanted to be in the quaffle to start with. But uh, AFL Queensland, in their wisdom, <clears throat> and correctly so, I guess, um, decided to, to give us a run to see how we go with numbers and, and whatnot. And as you said, you, you kind of had that inkling two-thirds of the way during the season. For you as a coach, when do you switch from I'm setting week-by-week week goals to, OK, let's go for it. Let's see if we can do the whole deal and get through undefeated. Do you mean publicly or privately? <laughs> I think publicly you always wait until grand final day. But, yeah, um, but You've got to get there. You've got to get there first. But, but how about privately amongst the group back then? Um, I guess... Myself and the leadership group, we kind of had a feeling about halfway through the season that we could we could go pretty well. There was a couple of teams that we hadn't seen um, that we that were sitting second and third to us on the ladder, so we didn't really know what to expect. And we came up against them in the latter half of the season. So once we got over those hurdles, I think it was there was a bit of feeling building in the group that they knew they could have a real crack at it. And indeed you did do uh, Queen Swept the Flag. When did the conversation begin uh, for you to take the step up, take the next challenge, and that's come up to the QWAFL? Um, I'd been corresponding with AFL Queensland pretty much all of last year. Uh, but the opportunity to officially apply was, I guess, um, not long after, after the grand final. I think everybody realised that we were we were going to be serious about having a, a decent women's team up here. And because you're now in the QWAFL, do you find any players coming back to you that may have, uh, in the past, had to leave for other clubs that wanted to obviously take the challenge of the next level? Um, we're going to be lucky enough to have one of the Brisbane Lions women's players playing with us. She was a Maroochydore junior and, and living on the coast still, so she'll be coming back. Uh, there's another two girls that were Sunshine Coast juniors that won't be coming back at this stage because they have either work or study commitments in Brisbane. Um, but yeah, there are some there are some ladies coming out of the woodwork that have played various other sports at, at high levels. We've got an Australian touch player trialling out with us at the moment and she's looking very handy. You talk about players. One that we should mention as, as well that was from Maroochydore playing at the Lions is Shannon Campbell. How have you assessed her, how she's been going at AFLW level? She is a rock. She is one of the best defenders I've ever seen, male or female. She reads the play very, very well. Is is courageous to her detriment sometimes. Uh, loves to go back with the, with the flight of the ball. Um, but, yeah, she's a fantastic leader out there and, and she'll be looking for some of the best players in the comp too at the moment playing alongside some of those girls, but she'll be she'll be valuable for us. She's the one that's coming back. Which is great to hear. And have you been able to actually use her in a marketing sense to be able to get her to come down to training, whether it's seniors or junior level, mind you, as well, at Maroochydore, to say, here's Shannon, she's come from Maroochydore, come join us because this is where you can go. Um, Shannon's been fantastic. She actually, she was doing a traineeship with AFL Queensland here on the sunny coast last year, so... She was out and about with um, with all the school kids, so most of those kids know her. Um, and this season so far, over our pre-season, she's been to well, probably a dozen training sessions to make sure she knows the girls when she comes back and to make sure that, that they know she's approachable. And, yeah, she's been fantastic.
And what's the lead-up been like as we build towards April 1 when you have your uh, first game for premiership points in the QWAFL against uh, Wilston Grange? Uh, have you managed to plot out any practice matches? What numbers are the squad looking like at the moment? Are you looking at a squad of 35-40? Uh, uh, well, we'll have it in, in both times this year. So we've got we've got 45 girls-ish on the list at the moment. Uh, we've got to have a squad of 30 for the Quaffle team. Uh, and the girls that don't get selected each week, they'll play down in the Quaffle competition. Um, so, yeah, the numbers have been fantastic. We had a practice match inter-club a week and a half ago. Uh, it was fantastic turnout. The girls went really hard. We've un- unearthed some new talent too. Um, which is quite often difficult to spot just on the training track. Uh, game situations are obviously a little bit different. Uh, and we have another practice match coming up on Sunday against Morton Bay. Against the Morton Bay Lions, and hopefully um, it'll be a nice hit out and get plenty of players into form as you head to uh, April 1, 4.45pm at your home ground. Uh, it's a Saturday for those interested in uh, heading along and checking out the uh, Maroochydore ruse. What is the uh, plan, I guess, for Maroochydore in the competition? Do they see your club as, I guess, a representative of the Sunshine Coast and hoping that uh, other clubs that may stay in the Community League, for example, which is the QWAFA uh, and its lower divisions, feed through to you? With a bit of luck, that's that's where we'll be for the next few years at least. I think the numbers, they probably won't support another uh, QAFL team on the coast for a couple of years at least. So with a bit of luck, Gimpy and Nambour who have a coffer team, some of their better girls that, that have a bit of ambition might look to come across. We're able to do a, a player share arrangement in some of those cases as well so they can be registered to those home clubs and also come and come and have a couple of games with us. Has there been much in the way of vision, etc., that you've been able to see of the uh, opponents that you'll be up against in the QWAFL and assess of how you want to plan to attack them and uh, and take them on in your first year? Because for you, you have the advantage of they don't know you. Um, I watched a lot of footy last year. I, I went and watched as many quaffle um, games as I was able to. Um, and I guess I've, I've known quite a lot of the girls over the last few years. I've been lucky enough to, to coach the under-16 state team uh, and help out with the under-18 state team. So I've seen a lot of those girls. Um, I guess it's a matter of now of sifting through some old video as well. There's a bit of video online available for me to check that out. And what are the expectations that uh, you've put on the girls for their first year diving into this competition? Uh, we definitely want to be competitive. There's no bones about that. Um, I believe we've got the talent to, to win a few games and, and really surprise a few people. Um, the girls are confident. They're excited. They're really looking forward to the challenge of stepping up. As I said last year, they, they accepted every challenge we put to them and rose above it. So we're looking to do the same again this year. And Stu, just before we let you go, uh, for you personally, the honour of uh, winning Coach of the Year last year. Uh, that was a real surprise. Actually, I had no idea that was coming. I, I didn't even know they did those awards, to be honest. Um, as I said to the girls, I can't, I can't win those awards without the girls performing well. So it's, it's one of those things. It's a team effort. Well, Stu, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in your practice game against Morton Bay uh, coming up this Sunday, and then, of course, on April 1st, when you take on the Wilston Grange Gorillas at home in the uh, first round of the QWAFL for 2017. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Pete.
You're listening to the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Up for battle on March 25th is a cup, and it's not just the AFLW Cup. The Arctic Cup is up for grabs, being held in all places, Iceland. Yes, women's Aussie rules being played in Iceland between a team from the UK and a team from North America. Quite strange, and that's why we've got to explain all this on the line. The coach of the South East London Giants, who play in the AFL London Women's League, Mariana Graham. Uh, Mariana, thank you very much for joining us here on girlsplayfooty.com. Hi, Peter. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. Now, first of all, we have to ask, how's pre-season going in a temperature that's slightly cooler than what we're experiencing here in Australia? <laughs> It's a very cold pre-season. Um, it's going well, actually. It's been really good. I think we've had um, a good increase in, in new girls coming into into the team. Um, so that's so that's really positive. With the, you know, there's still sort of almost two months really before the season starts. So to have you know um, ten, ten or ten or twelve new girls join already um, is great and really positive. So we're definitely looking forward to, to the season ahead. Now, before we touch on a special occasion that you've got coming up on March 25th, and no, we're not talking about the AFLW Grand Final. Uh, recently, you had a, a taster day for the AFL London's Women's League with 41 women show up. Can you tell us a little bit about what the day was like and the interest that you got uh, for women wanting to take up Aussie rules in the UK? Yeah, so we so we decided that sort of like to promote the game a bit more over in London. Uh, we would have a taster session that basically went through the basic the basic skills of footy. So we only really had three or four drills: uh, a handballing drill, a marking drill, a kicking drill, um, and like a little shepherding drill. Um, and each of the clubs got involved. So each each of the clubs organised uh, worked in pairs and organised sort of like what they were going to do for their drill, um, and ran those for you know ten fifteen minutes each. And then towards the end, we sort of said, well, let's give these girls a bit bit of exposure to what the game is actually like and played like a little round robin between all the girls there. So so we had uh, we had about 40 girls out, so split them up into three teams and um, and just sort of like had little, you know, 10-minute 10 minute, 10 minute half games. So it was, it was quite good. And it was great to see that it's not only just, you know, the Australian girls that are coming out. You're getting a lot of... Uh, English girls or sort of rest of the world girls that want to try the sport. So that's, it was a very positive experience. That's fantastic to hear because there really has been an ambitious goal, hasn't it been, this year that uh, we saw in the 2016 season, yourselves along with North London, uh, Wandsworth and Wimbledon got going to 18 aside, but really a big task this year to try and get eight teams out in the park. Yeah, and, and I think the new clubs are sort of like, you know, the feedback I see of, that I've had is sort of that they're, they're definitely getting interest. Um, so, and I think it's, it's obviously how the Women's League has started back home. Because, you know, girls are coming over and saying, oh, okay, well, what can I do that's going to sort of give me something that, you know, I feel like I'm back at home. So, girls have actually just started looking for, for footy clubs, which is fantastic. So, I think, you know, you know this will be our third season. And not, I, can, I can already tell that the girls are probably doubling in numbers. That is absolutely fantastic. As you said, 10 to 12 new players through on your own playing list. Uh, can you give us an insight to what the makeup is of Aussies versus uh, uh, Brits and girls from elsewhere throughout Europe that uh, are joining your club? Yeah, so for, uh, for our club, we've probably got, uh, say, 30-odd, 30, 30, 35 girls and a quarter of those are at least British. Um, 
uh, we've probably got a good handful, a, a girl from Spain, a uh, South African girl, um, you know, so it's sort of like, it varies, I'd say a quarter, a quarter, 25, 30% of the team is, is sort of foreign players and the rest sort of made up of Aussie experts. Um, but but we sort of like I've, I have had queries this year already from a lot more English girls. So so hopefully hopefully it means it's getting it's definitely getting out there. And we'll see more of the local the local girls come through, which is I guess where what you need for the growth of the game to to continue. A lot of Aussies that go over to London, particularly Asia under 30, are there on the two-year uh, working holiday visa. So what does that have in the effect yep. of turnover for a club like yours in women's, and I guess men's as well? I mean, how often and how many players are you literally turning over a season because of that visa? Um, we've been really lucky. We're, a lot of the, uh, the girls and guys that play with the club have sort of, you know, been here a bit more or are on European passports, so they're sort of excluded from that two-year two year visa. But, you know, and I know a lot of other clubs have literally had, like, you know, three-quarters of the team turnover because they're on the two-year visa, and once they get to that, they've got, you know, unfortunately they've got to go home. So I think it makes a big... It does make a big difference to, to a team. You know, you go from having a team that wins a premiership you know, you've got all these fantastic players to so the next year having to rebuild because, you know, the, most of their players have gone back. Um, but but I think it's it's great. It's sort of like it means that, you know, the competition's always, always going to be competitive. Now, you've got coming up on March 25th, ironically the same day as the uh, AFLW Grand Final, you'll be playing for the Arctic Cup. And when I say the words Arctic, it has nothing to do with the old VFL park out at Waverley, <laughs> but the conditions might be the same. Can you explain what the Arctic Cup's all about and how this idea sprung into fruition? Yeah, so um, so one of our one of our um, main committee members uh, got in contact with a team over in Iceland, who um, I think they've got they've got a men's team out in Iceland, and and they were keen. You know, every year we have like a pre-season trip, so so we thought, well, why not go to somewhere that's quite different, unique. Uh, we know that no no other clubs have really been out there or have ever been out there. Um, so we got in contact with them, and they were they were very keen to to get to to do something, and then sort of slowly, a uh, team over from uh, America and a team over from uh, Canada said that they were happy to join us, um, and I also believe a, sweet, a Swedish team is going to come over. So so there'll be like a little round robin tournament. It will it will only be nine aside. Um, you know, all our pre-season seems to be sort of nine aside rather than the full 18 aside. And I think a lot of the European clubs don't necessarily play 18 aside, so it sort of makes it a bit a bit easier. Um, so yeah, so we'll have a little round robin tournament. Um, it seems to be all going great there. Uh, all all teams are all you know raring to go. So I, I'm very much looking forward to. It. I'm not looking forward to playing in minus conditions. <laughs> Um, but but it should be a great day, and, and uh, the Icelandic guys are, are, are looking after us, so, so so it should be good. Am I correct from reading on social media? I think there's five men's teams, so the men's will be having a round robins, but there'll be just the two women's teams, yep. yourself versus the uh, Baltimore Washington Eagles. Yep, that's right. So so uh, yeah, so the guys have got a, a few more games than the girls at the moment. Uh, but yeah, no, it will be great. It, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think the the thing that matters is that. We're sort of out there and we're promoting the sport, um, you know, and, and hopefully it will lead to more people going out there. Can you give us a little insight to the squad that you'll be taking over to take on the Baltimore-Washington Eagles? Um, yeah, so, 
so yeah, so we've got sort of like our older players are going out there. So girls have sort of played a couple seasons. Um, I think at the moment we've probably got about uh, eight or nine sort of like heading out there. And I, I don't know that we'll end up getting more. Um, maybe, you know, a few more sort of like sort of swords but it should be a good mix and a couple of newbies so so hopefully it will give them exposure to what like an Aussie Wolves game will be like before we actually get into the London season. And one of the, the other things that you'll be, uh, I guess, doing or enjoying in Iceland while you're over there because obviously you're not going to be over there just to play football. I believe you're making a, a long weekend out of it. Yeah, I think most people will be taking like the Thursday, leaving the Thursday and coming back on Monday or Tuesday. I mean, there's so much to see out there. So I know people will be uh, hiring cars and going out, checking out the Northern Lights and, um, you know, going for for swims in uh, in their amazing, like, uh, pools over there, outdoor pools. So, so it should, it, it's, it's an amazing experience to be part of. And certainly one where you could say that you played for the first ever Arctic Cup uh, happening on yeah. March 25th. How unique is that to kind of make a little bit of experience playing in a game where no one thought they'd be playing Aussie Rules Football Iceland? I think it's it's a proud moment really for the club because, you know, it's sort of like leading the way to, you know, to, to playing footy in sort of like unique and diverse places. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to, it's, going to be such an amazing experience that I really hope that you know clubs see see this and then you know decide to to go out and do it again the following year which I'm sure it will you know sometimes once these things start they tend to snowball and it will end up becoming like a, a yearly thing so it's yeah it's, it's, a, it's a very proud moment I think for a club. Mariana thank you very much for your time and all the very best on March 25th when your Southeast London Giants take on the Baltimore Washington Eagles for the Arctic Cup in Iceland. Now, before we have a look at round six of the AFL women's competition, let's take a step back to round five for a moment where we have two NAB Rising Star nominees for this week. And uh, they're both from the Carlton Football Club, Bella Air and Tilly Lucas-Rod. And Tilly Lucas-Rod uh, fronted the media on uh, Tuesday afternoon to uh, talk about her receiving the uh, nomination and, of course, how they went against the Bulldogs on the weekend and what they're looking forward to when they take on Frio and then finally the Brisbane Lions are heading in to the end of the AFLW season. Here's Tilly Lucas-Rod. Yeah, it was good to get it after the win for both of us. Um, yeah, she played a really good game kicking two goals, two important goals, um, and, yeah, she was really happy too, so I'm happy for both of us. Um, I think I'm slowly improving um, over the rounds and, yeah, I thought I had a good game and really impacted um, where I could. Um, yeah, they started to get away in the um, last quarter but we just tried to stick to our structures and play our game and yeah lucky to get away with the win. Um, yeah we were getting a bit nervous I know as a midfield group we came in and just had a quick chat um, before one of the centre bounces and just yeah reminded ourselves to stick to our structures and to play good hard footy and it'll, it'll fall into our hands. We're well trained by our coaches so they've told us all that and I think we're going to go have a look at the ground before we play um, but yeah we're just going to play our normal game stick to our structures and yeah um, yeah, you have to treat every game like a grand final, you know, you've got to win every game um, and we've thought about that going through the season. We're still yet to play Brisbane, so obviously we've been watching them personally and on team level, um, analysing them. But yeah, if we just play our football, then hopefully we'll win. Tilly Lucas, Rod there, that audio courtesy of Carlton TV. Time to focus on round six of the AFL Women's Competition and I have got on the line the co-founder and editor of the GirlsWayFooty.com website in Matt Marsden. Matt, thank you very much for joining us and we are certainly at the business end of 
of the season because out of the 18s, we can tell you that definitely for three of them, it's done and dusted all over. We're down to five. That's it. The uh, the race of the Premiership is down to five teams now after uh, we've got Fremantle, GWS and Western Bulldogs all out, which is, I mean, that's a massive shock considering, well, we knew GWS probably wouldn't be there. They have been great this season as far as what we or against what we thought they would do, but, you know, they're out. And, but, I mean, Fremantle and the Bulldogs being out before we're at the end of the season, that's just a massive shock. Indeed it is, and as it stands at the moment, the bookies are laughing all the way to the bank because Freo and the Bulldogs, as you said, were uh, joint premiership favourites. They're not going to even make the grand final. GWS were tipped to win the wooden spoon. Anyone that's put money on them to win the spoon, at this stage, it looks like they're going to avoid it. Well, that's right, and GWS has been playing really good football as well. And you know, it's almost funny to look at it and think that GWS probably could be three and two um, with their results that they've had. I mean, they uh, they they had that draw. Obviously, they lost to Carlton very closely uh, when they could have had an opportunity to go three goals up in the third term. Um, and of course, that massive win against Melbourne last week, who just cannot play in the wet. Melbourne five behinds in a row in the final quarter. They just managed to find a way to lose the match. They did, and you know, it was one of those games where they were on top in all of the key areas that we look at as far as, um, you know, historically we've looked at men's games, and generally if you're winning certain statistics, you're winning the game of football, and as it turned out, Melbourne didn't win the game of football, they just wasted their opportunities in the forward half, and it's been a bit of a trend when they have been playing poorly that they can't get it done in the forward line. What I want to hear from journalists this week, and none of them will do it, is they need to go up to each and every coach at the post-match press conference, win or lose, and just go to each coach. Okay, um, how many hours are you spending on the training track? How many hours or minutes or seconds are you practicing kicking at goal? You know, it's an interesting question, and um, I think we've sort of seen with the players that... um they're pretty good at kicking for goal on the run, as we've seen, and um, there's a lot of the goals that come from the, the stoppages and the fall of play at the ground, and that's sort of the way that AFLW is. But when it comes to set shots, the accuracy has not been great, we've got to say, and uh, except for certain players who are just the superstars that we've been seeing them do, for, do it for years, the, the Taylor Harrises, the Darcy Vessios from set shots, they're getting it done, but everyone else, there just seems to be a constant struggle. Let's have a look at round six of the competition and it leads into also an article written by Kirby Fenwick on girlsplayfooty.com during the week. Fremantle and Carlton Domain Stadium starting at 3pm local time in WA. This is 3pm on a Friday. That's it. Probably played in front of a couple of mice and uh, some friends and family, I'd imagine. It's probably going to be similar to what we've seen at state level recently. Certainly not going to be the 25,000 that we saw at the start of the year. Um, it is very disappointing because it is a huge game in the context of the season for Carlton. And um, obviously Fremantle have, have had a couple of opportunities to see their team play but haven't seen them have a win. This is the sort of game that you'd think Fremantle will be really up for. Now the season is officially gone. They cannot make it. Uh, they want to get something out of the season. And when you when you're up against a team like Carlton sitting third on the table, they're pushing for a grand final, a grand final spot. Um, you know, Fremont's going to come real motivated, and it's just so disappointing that they're not going to have that crowd support that you'd expect. And they have gone out and supported the girls over in Frio uh, this year really well, the crowd, um, and they just haven't got that opportunity to see it. 
it virtually comes down to TV, and it's puzzling why they can't flip it, because the men's game would probably start, um, you would imagine, sometime around 8.30pm, 8pm, 8.30pm Eastern Time, and if you flipped it, then yes, it would show at like 11 o'clock at night uh, around the rest of the country, but, you know, essentially, don't you want people showing up at this game? It's not going to look good inside Domain Stadium. I remember calling the WA Victoria game there, where there's maybe uh, one or two thousand people there, and that was like a 5pm start. Yeah, it's, you've made a great point, Peter, and you really hit it on the on the head. You really haven't. You shouldn't be having games that are essentially practice matches. All respect to the men for you know they're going at it hard in this community series, but they're not games for premiership points. Whereas the AFL women's season is for premiership points. I don't care if it's under 12s playing or if it, you know who's playing or whatever. The game that's for premiership points should be before, should be after the practice game. It means something, and you know, again, the supporters are going to miss out on seeing their team play. What's going to be a really good game, I imagine. And may I say, uh, for Carlton, Bree Davey, late inclusion, 16 possessions, meant the world of a difference, probably meant the difference between winning and losing. Oh, they lose if Bree Davey doesn't play. She's the, the heartbeat of the team, and the way that Carlton sort of constructed is that they've got uh, two or three genuine stars. You've got Darcy Vessio, Lauren Arnell, and, of course, Brianna Davey. They're the nucleus of your team, and you know, no disrespect to the other players, but they're they're good players. They're good players that fill out roles and they do their jobs really well. But when you take out one or two of those stars, suddenly they struggle. We saw uh, Darcy Vessio was shut down a couple of weeks ago and um, they just couldn't have any input didn't really get much of an, an impact out of their forward line and obviously with Brie Davey down there, Carlton leads the competition in rebound 50s and, and Brianna Davey's one of the top players for that before she got injured. Um, so you take her out and suddenly it's it's the structure of the team just doesn't look the same. And may I say that the players are certainly reading girlsplayfooty.com in my previews because I picked out two players. I picked out Darcy Vessio and I said she needs to get 10 disposals and three goals for Carlton to be able to win. She got five disposals, but she did kick the three goals. And I also did mention on the losing side for the Bulldogs that Jamie Lambert the previous week was quiet on the church mouse. She came out there with, uh, I think, uh, 15 or 16 disposals. Yeah, no, you've, you've, again, you've hit the nail on the head there, Peter. I'll take full credit for that, but I won't take any credit on this tip coming up. I think Carlton will win, and I think it might be another get-out-of-jail job. Yeah, I, I think... Oh, I'll just say it again. You've done it again. You've stolen the words from my mouth, Pete. I think uh, Carlton will get up, or you have to go with Carlton, but Fremantle, I just don't know. Um, you know, it's still a good team despite all the players that have left, and their record really isn't an indication of how they've played, but as uh, as we've seen across the season, they can play one or two good quarters of footy, and the other two quarters are just they're nowhere near where they should be, and uh, against a team like Carlton that as we saw last week, they can put goals on the board and they can get them from a whole bunch of different avenues now. Um, it's going to be really hard to keep them off the board and I'm not sure if Frio can keep up with them. Let's have a look at the Brisbane Lions and the Western Bulldogs. 10.05am uh, local time at the South Pine Sports Complex. Um, that fun little ground. Um, they reckon Katie Brennan might get up to play this. I think it's more a case of heart overhead because she is a Queenslander and I guess it's almost like a homecoming and she'd love to be playing in front of uh, friends and family up there. But I guess it's a it's a big question on the uh, Bulldogs fitness staff, isn't it? Do you, do you try and get her up and playing... Um, um, or do you, do you say to her, come on, Katie, it's, you know, this is a you know pretty serious ankle injury that you've had. Let's put the cue on the rack. There's nothing to play for here. 
Well, I think that's the nature of the competition and that the players, they all want to play the games. It doesn't matter what their record is or what the uh, the implications are of matches. They want to play games of football. But I, I just don't see it being smart, Katie Brennan, playing this game. Of course, it'd be a, a brilliant touch for her to be up there against Brisbane. As you said, she's a, a Queenslander. Um, but it just doesn't make sense to me at all. And I think as a team for Western Bulldogs, if you're going to keep this core group of players together, it'd be best to be playing them without Katie Brennan, not to mention a half-injured Katie Brennan. Uh, and you know, and then there's the other side. What happens if Katie rolls her ankle or gets it, you know, turns the wrong way? Suddenly she's not missing a, a couple of weeks of footy. She's out for a few months and um, she's got to get her form back halfway through the season, the BFL women's season. And as I wrote last week as well, I mean, it's the ideal opportunity if you said, because you know Katie's going to be there next year. She's the captain. She's the best player on the side. There's no hesitation about that. She will be there in 2018. But I guess the thing is, who won't be there in 2018? Without her, there is an ideal opportunity to try players in the forward line and for the coaching staff to make up their mind of who they need to cut when it comes to the end of the season. That's right, and you can't do that if you if you're offering positions to players that don't need to be in those spots. Uh, whereas you know it's it's the forward line is it's something that you mentioned early in the year before the season started. Is that if Katie Brennan goes out, what are they going to do? Of course, as you mentioned, they tried Jamie Lambert at full forward, and she had a couple of touches and had no impact. So uh, if you take Katie Brennan out, you, it sort of gives you a chance to figure out who the goals are going to come from. They had no Kirsten McLeod last week, who's been their second best forward behind Brennan. Um, and they just couldn't do anything in the forward half. So you've got to offer that question to the players rather than giving them a cheap out and, and putting Katie Brennan in there. It's, it's not allowing the players to have that opportunity to stand up, and that's a bit disappointing if Brennan does play. Having a look at the other side for the Brisbane Lions, they can do no wrong. Emily Bates stood up uh, against the Crows. She's been huge. Uh, Captain Silky's been fantastic. Throw in there Sabrina Frederick-Traub, which seems to be giving headaches to opposition week in, week out. I think someone put on Twitter, they go, they're enjoying the game, and there came Sabrina Frederick-Traub going, damn, that was it for my side. That was from a Crow supporter's point of view. Um, Also throw in there Jess Rucha looks dangerous. Kate McCarthy, week in, week out, looks like she's going to... To rip the game open. They've just got winners across the line everywhere and they're like an, an unstoppable locomotive. I, I don't think they can be stopped. I don't think they're going to run off the rails. I think they're going all the way to the flag. Well, the big thing to take from the game against Adelaide is obviously they got the four points against the other team that was undefeated, but they didn't get much of a contribution out of most of their stars that have won games for them in, uh, throughout the year. You know, it was people like Emily Bates standing up. Sam Virgo across halfback has just been unbelievable. Uh, Leah Kaslar, key defence, doing wonderful things this season. Now, it's all these players that um, maybe don't necessarily get the, the, uh, the, the positive, positive comments that they, they are earning out on that field. It sort of happens when you're the winning team. It's usually the stars that get all the credit. But, you know, this is a team, and it's one of the big things that we've talked about, and we sort of looked at at the start of the season. We identified the teams with the most stars, and we didn't really look at Brisbane as being one of those, but they're winning because they're the best team out in the competition. I think you mentioned that name of Sam Virgo, and because she's been playing in the back line, I guess it's a um, it's a thorn in the side of, uh, I guess it would be the umpires once the middle night comes along, and probably us and the media as well, where we always keep focusing on those midfielders, those star forwards, and as she said, Virgo, week in, week out, just keeps doing the job in the back line for them, and really should be getting greater recognition. 
that's it. And it's not just the touches she gets. She does all the little things around the contest. She's a, you know, she's a small body and she's a scrapper and uh, sensational burst speed as well. She's one of those players who just breaks the lines, which is really important in the AFL women's competition when, uh, you know, players will generally opt to kick first. And she's a player who grabs the footy and runs with it, and that's what you want. And she's just so damaging. Probably the most underrated player in the competition as far as I'm concerned. But I uh, just want to quickly mention Sabrina for Frederick Traub. I'd go as far as saying she probably won't win any personal uh, awards or anything. I'd go as far as saying she is the best player in the competition as we speak. Um, for a big body, a 19-year-old girl, uh, she takes big pack marks, she kicks set shot goals, uh, she wins ruck hitouts, she wins the ball on the ground and gets clearances. She's a disposal machine, she's a goal machine, she's everything you want from a footballer and good God she has come about the last three years. I expect to see that on a graphic within 24 hours. Sabrina Frederick-Traub, <laughs> with your comment next to it, best player in the competition as it stands. I demand to see that graphic. I'll make sure it happens, Peter. <laughs> I'm going for the Brisbane Lions in this game to win by about four goals and for the Western Bulldogs to go through about 22 uh, tubs of zinc cream. Yeah, I think uh, we saw when uh, Collingwood went up there to play against Brisbane the last quarter, Collingwood just wilted and we might see the same from the Bulldogs this week. Let's have a look at the Adelaide Crows and Melbourne, 5.40pm local time in Darwin, uh, live 7pm across uh, the country on the Seven Network. TIO Stadium is the venue, the Crows and uh, Melbourne. And uh, talk about uh, bandwagon supporters from Melbourne. I think you've got Collingwood supporters, you've got Carlton supporters, and of course Melbourne supporters all cheering for the red and blue this week to knock off Adelaide to keep the calculations alive for another team to slip into the finals. That's right, and funnily enough, they will want Melbourne to lose next week as well. Um, and look, yeah, there's a lot of people on Melbourne's side, and it's not just a whole lot of blind faith. I think Melbourne's in this with a real crack, which is sort of funny to say after they lost against GWS last week, and you know, they really quite, were quite uh, abysmal. But the team that plays in the wet, uh, in comparison to the team that plays in regular conditions, I think the best example of that was when Melbourne played against Collingwood round two. First half could do nothing in the wet started to dry out, they became superstars and went on a, a bit of a run. Um, you know, that's, that's the best example we have of Melbourne is they're the best dry weather football team there is and you sort of expect that with such a dominant midfield. Um, but when it is raining, they just can't get it together and you know, it sort of depends on the conditions against Adelaide and we know that Adelaide's sort of up against the wall, funnily enough, after losing for the first time last week. And you know, Melbourne, they need to win this game. So I'm not willing to make a prediction for this, really, because I have no idea what's going to happen. I will make the prediction. I will go the Crows because of a comment made by Nathan Jones uh, on uh, Women's Footy on Channel 9 on Sunday. Uh, he talked about how Melbourne's two losses had been in the wet so far uh, against, uh, respectively, the uh, Brisbane Lions and then uh, last week against GWS. And he says it's very similar conditions up in Darwin. He says because of the humidity and how sticky it gets up there, he says it feels like you're playing wet weather football. And I just think that'll play into the hands of the Crows, which we do have to remember that uh, I think it's up to 10 players in the Crows list are based in Darwin. That's right. And look, it's a a while to remember back now, but round one they played in slippery conditions against GWS and we all thought that GWS would be quite an ordinary team because of how much they went down to Adelaide by. uh, Little did we know it's just how good Adelaide is as a team that that was. So they've got some experience playing in the wet and, uh, of course, led by Aaron Phillips in the midfield who was sensational in that game. Um, 
yeah, they, they, they really like their chances, I suppose. And you got to throw in there the quality Territorians of uh, Angela Foley, who's been fantastic the last couple of weeks. Also in their Abbey Homes, you've got uh, Riley as well, throwing Taylor Thorne. So, you know, they've got some quality uh, speedsters in there as well that really do know how to use the football. Yeah, and they've sort of changed the way that Adelaide's played uh, in comparison to the first couple of weeks. They're playing really good football, and now they're getting contributions from those different players, and you really got to take it out. I'm really surprised with what Abby Holmes has been able to do. She's been the sort of player that has impacted games late, and you know, they're, they're the players that you pay thousands for because they, they win your games of football, and um, I've been really quite impressed with Abby. Let's have a look at the game that is on Sunday, 11.05am start, Olympic Park Oval in Melbourne. Finally, they're going to be playing one there after having to move two away from it, uh, Collingwood and the GWS Giants. And it is a good point that you make, Peter, in that I do feel like we're going to get a fair few thousand there because Collingwood season is on the line here and they probably know that it's a game that Maybe they'd expect to win. Again, it's sort of selling GWS short, but they would expect to win this game with so much on the line and the way that they came out last week. Collingwood would want to get up for this, and the wheels are sort of starting to turn for Collingwood now. It's it's you know, it's hard with the seven-week seven, seven week competition in that you haven't got time to make up for your mistakes, but Collingwood's really starting to come into it. They are making a few mistakes that you don't want, but they're fewer and far between. I think Wayne Seekman, the coach, has, has made some really positive changes with Collingwood, and they're no longer possessing the ball too much. They're playing a lot more direct, and we're seeing results from it. Of course, Jess Cameron was wonderful last week, and she's a player that you've got to highlight for taking the emphasis of playing on and moving the ball quickly. She creates goals for her teammates. She kicks goals under pressure. Uh, she's been the catalyst for the big change for Collingwood for mine. And uh, Mo Hope last week with that huge mark against uh, Fremantle in the uh, dying minute or so. Um, clever, not only backing back and uh, dragging in the mark, but uh, staying down the old, oh, I think I might be a little bit injured, and then gets up very slowly, milks about 30 seconds off the clock, and then smartly goes backwards and finds a player that can hold the ball and kill the clock. And uh, that snuffed out any chance that Frio had of drawing or pinching the game. You know, it's a senior football thing that Mo's done there. She knows football and she's copped a fair bit this season, which is, you know, 95% of it you would say is, is unfair or uh, poor criticism. I mean, you're basing her off a player that kicked 106 goals last year and in comparison to playing this year in a, a shorter competition, a competition where she comes in with a huge reputation. I think, you know, Mo hasn't kicked the bags that we wanted from her, but she's been good this year, especially as a player who's been injured. And, and that's the point that you just mentioned, the example you brought up, Peter. She knows football. She knows what she's doing. She's a great footballer. She's a smart player. Um, and we're starting to see her really come into her own in this season through injury. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where she goes to after Collingwood as well for the VFLW season because uh, I can uh, mention that uh, online St Kilda Sharks have been posting up about their player sponsorships for this year. But um, one noticeable absentee in those photos is one Moana Hope. We watch with intrigue. Well, I think it's interesting that you've uh, had an interview with the Box Hill Hawks coach, Peter, because watch this space. Indeed, but uh, maybe at another time we shall reveal some more. But I am going for um, Collingwood to uh, win over the GWS Giants because it's being played in Victoria. I think home ground advantage on their training track. They should get the job done. Close one, I think, by about two goals. And I think Emma Swanson to have yet another standout game for the Giants. 
Well, if GWS comes out and plays the way they did against Carlton, I think they're in this with a real shake. And you know, last week, it's great to get the win, but I don't think it's a real uh, a, a display of, of how good the team is. In the wet, they just played the game better than Melbourne did. Um, so I'm not sure whether they've got the talent or the quality to come up against Collingwood. And I think this is a great um, a great chance for them to really stand up and say how good they are. Uh, and in many respects, we don't actually know how good GWS is because they're... they're their form has varied so much and against a team like Collingwood in Victoria uh, with everything to play for for the Magpies, it'll be really interesting to see how GWS comes out and uh, and attacks the Magpies. Well Matt, thank you very much for your time and again all your work that you do with the editing the girlsplayfooty.com website. We look forward to catching up with you on a future edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden, just about time for me to get on out of here. Remember to tell your friends that this podcast is available for download via iTunes or SoundCloud for free just search for girls play footy you can follow us on twitter just search for girls play footy or on facebook facebook.com forward slash girls play footy and of course our website where we've got all our articles girlsplayfooty.com and don't forget you can hear this podcast as a program on the radio first wednesday evenings approximately 6 15 p.m australian eastern daylight savings time on rsn carnival that's digital radio in melbourne until next time thanks for your company and bye for now